is the number one commodity in the world that you can't get back once it's gone. Time. So I will keep this brief. I'm Muthita Panmuk, a time efficiency expert and a business operations strategist, who is as known as the Time Queen. Welcome to my Get Unstuck Radio. Running a business can be very overwhelming at times, especially in the first few years when you are required to wear the hats and do other things. You started your company because you had a vision that almost every business owner has when they begin. You wanted freedom, true freedom. So you are in the right place to help you build and grow your business that support your lifestyle. Not the other way around. Without further ado, let's get unstuck. Hi, get unstuck nation. Today I have a new friend to introduce to you guys, and this is Brian Clayton from Green Pal. Hi, Brian. How's it going? Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, I'm excited because this is something very new. I already mentioned with him offline that um, I didn't get a chance to use any lawnmower with. So I'm really keen to know how you build this and how it's really works. So tell me a little bit before we get to Queen Powell, but tell me a little bit about how you started your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, yeah. So uh, like you mentioned, I'm I'm CEO and co-founder of of a mobile app called Green Powell, which is like the Uber for lawn mowing. And so if you live in the United States, you can just order a lawn mowing service using our app, uh, much like you would order an Uber for a taxi cab. And so Been at this business for 10 years, a few hundred thousand people using the app in the United States and uh, nationwide, uh, and and I guess you could say we're a nine-year overnight success. Uh, before Green Pal, I actually had a lawn mowing business. I started mowing yards for people in my neighborhood when I was in high school, and and then in college I kept cutting grass. And then when I graduated college, I thought, well, uh, what am I going to do? Am I going to go into uh, the job market or just stick with this lawn mowing business? And so. I decided, well, let's just stick with the lawn mowing business, and and I did that and built one of the largest landscaping companies in the state where I live. Eventually, over 150 employees, uh, getting it at over 10 million dollars a year in revenue. And in 2013, that business was was bought, was acquired by one of the largest landscaping companies in the United States. And after that, I retired. I took some time off, and I thought, well, what now? Uh, Well, I'm going to start a tech company, and luckily, I didn't know what I didn't know, and luckily, I was naive about how how difficult it was going to be. But I recruited two co-founders, and we got to work, and uh, we never looked back. And so we're 10 years in, and and uh, running a multi-eight-figure-a-year business nationwide in the United States for for helping people get a good lawn mowing service. Yeah. So how it differs between um, started the service provider as you have done before, and to the SaaS company. How it's different? Yeah. So the difference between like a like a marketplace and a SaaS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so marketplaces connect buyers and sellers, and they usually have what's called network effects. So the more people that use them, uh, the more valuable they come. So uh, so like a marketplace like Uber, the more drivers that you have, the cheaper the cost. The cheaper the cost, the more people use it. More people use it, the more drivers, and so on. So that's how a marketplace works, and that's how our business works. We connect buyers and sellers. Now, marketplaces do have SaaS tools. Like for us, we we uh, have SaaS tools that vendors use, such as scheduling, pricing, uh, customer relations management, um, 
route optimization going from stop to stop in the most efficient way possible. So there's SaaS enabled tools within a marketplace, but, but we don't charge a flat fee for people to use our services. We make a piece of every transaction that occurs on it. So that's a, a distinction between a marketplace business and a SaaS business. And really you, you kind of have to almost bet on one or the other. It's hard to do both. There's very, very, very few examples of marketplaces that also charge a fee for people to use the tools you usually make money one or the two ways yeah because when you combine them together it's kind of like a lot of touch point that you have to consider i guess yeah yeah that's right and 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 then you know SaaS SaaS companies sometimes look like marketplaces and marketplace sometimes look like SaaS companies but it all depends on how you make money how you monetize the activity on the on the network and and so for us, we're a true marketplace with, with SaaS kind of characteristics. Mm, okay. And how you guys started this idea that you will be the middleman that matching the buyer and the seller? Yeah. So for me, it was very much solving my own problem. I, I spent 15 years in the industry. And so I saw how difficult it was for, for homeowners to hire a lawn mowing service. Uh, people would call me all the time just looking for a dependable lawn mowing service. And so my company didn't take on that kind of work anymore. And so we would refer them out to smaller contractors that, that did those types of gardening services. So in effect, uh, for many years running my first business, I was kind of doing it already, uh, just, just as a favor. And so when I sold the company, I, I saw what Airbnb and Uber and Lyft and some other uh, companies like DoorDash and Postmates were doing for connecting buyers and sellers at a local level. So I knew that it would work. I knew that people needed it. I knew that, that it would, it would uh, be solve a problem that people would be willing to pay for. What I didn't know was just how challenging it is to invent a new product from scratch, how challenging it is to build a marketplace like this, how, how difficult it is to kind of figure it out as you're going. Uh, that was something that just uh, took a lot of work. Uh, a lot of dedication, many years of, of just through trial and error, figuring it out as we went. So even though you already have customer back then from like from referral to the paid customer, but still there are many challenges in between to take off, right? Can you tell us a little bit about the journey that you, um, how to say that, uh, test the market by this new product from scratch? Yeah, you know, I think uh, when you're starting a new business, you're inventing a new product, you, you kind of just need to look at it like a video game almost. You just need to break it down into 10 levels and just get through one level at a time, not worry about uh, levels eight, nine, and 10 when you're on level one, two, or three. And so for us, that's kind of how we did it. We, we just got through one level of the game at a time. For us, level one was we, we needed 100 people to use the app that we had built because we needed to learn from them. We needed to learn where we even building a product that people would be willing to pay for. What, what do they wish that it would do that it didn't do? What features did it need? And so we did everything we could to get a hundred people to use it. We passed out flyers all over Nashville, Tennessee, where I live. And, uh, and that's how we get the first hundred people to use the product. And, and that's how we learned, okay, this is what our customer, uh, this is what, what they, where they live, this is what, 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 what their buying habits are, this is what their hobbies are, this is how they normally find a lawn mowing service. And, and so we used all of that knowledge to bake into, okay, now we're, let's get to level two. Let's figure out a way to get 1,000 people. And then level three might be 5,000 or 10,000. So it's just getting through one level at a time and learning from the activity that, and learning from the feedback that your customers are giving you is, is how we went from nothing to now several hundred thousand people using this app to, to get this chore done. Yeah, that's amazing. I found some of my clients who are also building this like SaaS company as a backend and they also 
I, I'm not sure. I, I want to know your opinion regarding to how do you decide which side would be priority. For example, this is the function that your customer required to have when they filter to choose which lawn um, service provider they would go for, for example. But then this is also something that your team needs to um, facilitate the customer for what they want. Which one would be your priority when you decide it? This episode is sponsored by Mutita Clothing, like what I'm wearing right here. So if you are a pretty sized lady who are looking for high quality apparels as well as a neat cutting and premium pattern, check it out at mutitaclothing.com so that you can be simply elegant by no time. Let's get back to the episode. You're always moving. Uh... Uh, along the spectrum of, of, of what people want and need. And so as a, as a founder, a lot of what you do is, is uh, what they call, uh, what they would call asset allocation. Like, like literally like, like uh, capital comes in, how do you put the capital back to work? And so where do you, where do you put that firepower? You know, where, where do you put what little money you have to work for the best return? And it's kind of like a, uh, in the early days, it's kind of like a, a hospital emergency room where it's just, you're just, you're triaging. You literally are just triaging to, okay, this is the most important thing right now. We are literally pissing off a hundred people a day with this one problem. The, the lawn care service is not showing up on the day they're supposed to or the lawn care service is changing the price at the last minute, or the lawn mowing service didn't want to do it because the grass was too tall. Like all of these problems that manifest themselves, you know, just as you're getting into the game, uh, you, you just triage and you go from like the highest priority to the next. What is the easiest thing that I can do that has the highest impact? And then you let, like, you don't even care about everything else. And so you just go from one, two or three things at a time. And then you just work that cycle over and over and over again. And, and after about five years, then you actually build an experience that's pretty good. And that's how it unfolded for us. And, and, and one, one way we were able to kind of manage it all was we stayed local in one city for a long time, like three years, just trying to figure out, you know, when somebody pushes the button to hire a lawn mowing service, do they show up on time? Do they do a good job? Do they do it for the price they said they would? Um, do, do they, and do they get booked again? And so like figuring that out and the hundred problems that can go wrong in that process is what we spent four or five years just doing. And then, and then we, then we started scaling into other cities. And so the, the, the saying is nail it, then scale it. That's kind of what we did. We, we just, we just went really slow and, and, and methodically solved all the problems until we went wide and blew it out throughout the entire, entire United States. And what would be your goal next year then? If I could ask. So we're doing uh, over $20 million a year in sales now, and we really need to get that to a hundred million um, mm. in, in, in order to really matter, to be honest, you know, we're, we're very much still uh, uh, an unknown commodity. Yeah. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people using it, but you know, until we're in like the default way you get this chore done, you know, we're not happy. And so we, we have to be in the same conversation as an Airbnb and Uber. So we need to get to hundred million in sales. Will that happen next year? Probably not, but that's our next goal is getting as close to that as possible. And, uh, and so for us, you know, we're always growing. We're always hiring. We're always uh, building on new features and trying new things. Um, but we're self-funded. We haven't taken on any outside capital. So, so a lot of, a lot of what we, you know, uh, do is constrained by the money that's coming in, which is good. It keeps us kind of like 
Uh, keeps us making smart bets. It keeps us from getting too far ahead of our skis. A lot of times venture capital kills more businesses than it does create. And so uh, for us, that's been a, a competitive advantage. It's just, it's just funding the business from, from its own revenues has, has been one of the reasons why we are here where you are today. Mm, yeah, that makes it. I actually about to ask you, do you like have any investor inside or you just answer that? Wow, that's amazing. But that's that's what your intention since the beginning, right? Not to take on any inventors. Yeah, for a couple of reasons. One, um, for us, like I've always thought like this, and it don't raise money from investors and, unless you would be willing to put your mother's home uh, in 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 mortgage and like and and like if you fail, your mom is is on the street. Like that's the way I look at it. Like. Like I, and I was never sure uh, enough about if an investor gave me a million dollars that I could put that to work and, and not lose it. And so, for me, I, I didn't really want to like sell a, a a fake vision to yeah. to a bunch of investors and 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 and, and lose their money. Um, so for me, it was like it just made sense to just fund it off of its own revenues, little by little, and and do it the hard way. And uh, not that not that doing it by raising capital is easy, but Uh, and, and the other thing too is, is um, there's a difference. Like it, when you, when you, in the early days, you, you're focused on one thing, like the handful of customers you have and building a great product for them. And then I see a lot of times, particularly these companies that come out of accelerators, they get good at fundraising. They don't get good at the product. And so it's like, they get good at fundraising and then it's like, well, then, and then they don't have a product. And, and so I think it's just like a balancing act. And yeah, in many ways, like raising a bunch of money can be the thing that that uh, that spells the difference. But but there again, like you know, we funded the business in 2012, so you had 12, 13, 14, and 15. There was like a wave, an avalanche of money chasing these Uber for X ideas, Uber for laundry service, Uber for car washing, Uber for home cleaning, and like literally all of them were out of business, and so. I started seeing that. I started seeing that a lot of these these businesses were raising a million or five million or ten million dollars, and then the next year they were out of business because they crashed and burned. They didn't have it figured out, and uh, they it was like kind of like attaching like rocket boosters to a wooden barn. The thing just blew apart when they tried to pour too much gas on it. And so I didn't want to do that. Um, I've had one good idea in the last decade. This is it, and I didn't. I knew if we failed. And we went too fast that I didn't have any other good ideas, and so I, I really wanted to take the slow and low approach. And the other thing I knew is that in our particular industry, it was not like this land grab, like Uber, Lyft, and then you know maybe some of the international players in ride sharing, like like uh, you know uh, Didi and and uh, Grab. You know, it, it was a huge international, worldwide, global land grab. For this space, and and they needed a bunch of money to compete, and and that was a different game than what we're playing. It's like nobody's going to pull the rug out from under us to to re revolutionize lawn mowing, so we can go slow. And so I think it's case by case, and that was the best bet for us. Yeah, I think you mentioned something very important: to scale too fast, that caused more problem than just like slow and steady. I agree with you on that, like hundred percent. Yeah, there's no one path to success. You know, if if you raise the money and you and you make smart bets and you move quickly, I mean, it's you're very much bending the world to your way, and you're you're an arbiter of success, and that's beautiful when it when it works. But most of the time, it doesn't, and most of the time, raising a bunch of money and moving too quickly is a bad bet 
for most entrepreneurs. And then the other thing is like, they don't even get to raise money because they spend all their time trying to raise money and not building a good product. And so it's like, they don't even get to that part of the game because they can't raise money. And then they, then they're disillusioned. They don't want to keep going. And they think, okay, well, I'll do this business if I can raise the money, which is not the right way to look at it. And so I think the better bet is, is choosing a business idea that you can sustainably uh, build over a long period of time. And then if you sell that for, for 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or $50 million and you get that kind of like what they call a single or a double, then maybe the second time around, go raise a bunch of money for the next idea because you already know how to do it um, is, my, is my advice. Like you look at the guys that founded Uber they were on their second and third companies. Like they had already sold a $10 million business. Garrett Camp, the co-founder, had sold a company called StumbleUpon, which is a $30 million outcome. So when they started Uber, they knew, they knew like the ins and outs of raising money and using it as a steroid. And, and so that's why it looked magical. And that's why they were able to do what they did. But if you start like you've never done this before, it's impossible to do that, in my opinion. So in my opinion, hit a single, hit a double, then do the big idea. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's about focus as well. And if the founder just like keep focusing on money, they're not going to focus in solving problem, which is how they're going to be sustainably in the industry as well. Yeah, yeah. If you focus on revenue and keeping your customers happy, it, in a way, like it, it just keeps you focused on what's important. And that's building a good product. And, you know, necessity really is the mother of invention. Like when you are capital constrained, you really focus on, on higher quality decisions. Like how do I use the product to grow the product? Not, I got a million dollars. Let me go buy a bunch of Facebook ads, which if that doesn't play out, you know, when the million dollars is done, you're done. And so you just wasted three, four years of your life and, and uh, wasted your investors money. Mm -hmm. Doesn't always happen that way, but more times than not, it does. Yeah. 100%. So where can people um, find your service and at yeah, least if you follow live, you then? If you live in the United States, uh, you just download GreenPal in the App Store or Play Store and you'll get hooked up with a great lawn mowing service. If anybody wants to reach out to me, I spend most of my time on Instagram. My handle is Brian M. Clayton. Okay, we will put all the link in the description, everyone. And yeah, check it out. And thank you so much, Brian, for joining Get Unstuck Radio today. Thank you so much for having me on. I enjoyed it. I hope this episode inspires you to get unstuck wherever you are in your journey so that you can have your business that supports your lifestyle. Get a show note at helpyougetunstuck.com today. Start implementing what you have learned. The results of your consistent effort and improvement are worth it because you deserve the freedom to enjoy your life. Speak to you next time and don't forget to get unstuck.